Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Hi everyone, Eric Falsonella here. Well, today's Group Talk is a special treat provided to us by the Northeast Regional Leader, Chip Kelly. To set this episode up, Chip Kelly basically hosted an online huddle where he invited other leaders within his region and Steve Gladen to have a great discussion about small group ministry leader types of issues. So take some time and we hope you enjoy. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Uh, You know, uh, I'm Chip Kelly and uh, I'm uh, part of the small group network uh, and here in the Northeast tasked with kind of trying to help connect people. And, uh, you know, the small group network, each of you have kind of signed on there, uh, you know, to be a part of that. And it's really, uh, it's something that Steve started. Uh, I remember one of the first times I met Steve, uh, it was just getting up and running, I think, uh, around that point. And, uh, you know, just uh, trying to figure out, okay, how can we do something like this? Um, And it's really, uh, you know, as it says, maybe in the emails you've received or, uh, different things you've seen on the website so that, you know, we're not alone in this, uh, that we're connected, there are resources, and we're able to encourage each other um, as it relates to small group ministry. Um, I don't know, Steve, if you want to add anything on to that that I uh, forgot. No, man, it's just, it's fun just to, uh, sometimes I found that the loneliest disconnected people are small group ministry leaders, and not by choice, but just because uh, we tend to be uh, very, very busy and doing our own ministry, but we're not connecting up with others to get ideas and to uh, share things. So, uh, but up on the about section in the uh, smallgroupnetwork.com uh, site, you can read all about the history and know more than you ever wanted to know, but it's great. I always love meeting uh, the small group ministry leaders across the, across the planet and seeing what God's doing. So it's fun stuff. Absolutely. Well, maybe I know we've talked just a little, but uh, I kind of, let me see if I can pull up here. I just put together just so you guys uh, could have, hopefully you can see just kind of, this is just a little agenda to kind of drive us through. Um, And we started some of the introduction part already, but, you know, we're small group people and we like corny icebreakers or we at least tolerate them. Um, And... So kind of maybe if we could just go around uh, and share uh, your name, where you're serving, and then this icebreaker, if you could be an Olympic athlete, what sport would you compete in? Uh, and we'll go, uh, you know, through that and just uh, have a few moments to share. So uh, anybody brave enough just to dive in, start us off? I'll go. Uh, Tom Main, uh, I'm at uh, Cape Cod Church uh, in Falmouth, Massachusetts, uh, Director of Spiritual Development here doing small groups as part of that. Um, been on staff for about uh, two and a half years. Um, if I could be an Olympic athlete, I would compete in the uh, decathlon. Um, yeah, because 
it's not one and done. You can have a bad day in one event and still uh, and still survive. So, and I just made that up. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Somebody else? I'll go. Uh, I'm Debbie Sager. Uh, I serve at Faith Community Church in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. And um, if I could be an Olympic athlete, I think I would be a skier so I could soar through the air. Perfectly, of course, right? <laughs> no falls. Wow. There you go. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, my name is Steve Blummer. I'm the pastor of family and adults at Hope Chapel in Sterling, Mass. Wow. And I would probably be like to be a shot put, something big muscles, just able to throw stuff far. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Awesome. All right, Josh, it's you or me. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'm Josh Baker. I'm uh, the community life director at Kennebec Community Church in uh, Augusta, Maine. Uh, I've been in this current position for uh, about eight months now. And um, yeah, we're kind of alone up here in Maine, as you could tell. Uh, as far as Olympic athlete, I would definitely play basketball, especially if Coach K was still coaching the team. So, whoa, awesome! <laughs> well, I'm uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, I'm in West Nyack, New York. Uh, I work with the Salvation Army, uh, doing small groups and leadership development, and uh, been here the. Uh, I started the day Obama came into office. So that's, I'm almost eight years in. Um, and uh, Olympic sport or athlete. Um, I, I've just always wanted to try to bobsled. I would probably kill myself, but it, you know, if I had to pick, I'd go winter Olympics and on the bobsled team. So that's where I'd go. Well, I, I guess I'm left. So uh, Steve Gladen, I'm in uh, Orange County, California, which we are directly halfway between Los Angeles and downtown Los Angeles, downtown San Diego. So you go halfway, we're right there. Or if I say 25 minutes south of Disneyland, everyone goes, oh, well, that's where you're at. So um, been at Saddleback Church uh, next month, uh, finishes up my 19th year. So uh, been a long time at this place. I've been doing groups ministry almost 30 years, painful to say, uh, when you're tossing out those kind of numbers. Uh, in Olympic sport, I think I'd be on the first ever Olympic football team. Uh, so love football and, uh, uh, and not, not international football, American football. So let's be clear on that. So that's what I, I would start one. You had to be happy with Ohio State making it to the playoff, I'm sure. Uh, I, I, I felt God's uh, providential uh, love on me, so. Go <laughs> oh, Bucks, baby. There you go. Well, hey, uh, I just appreciate all of you uh, wanting to take some time out of your busy days just to jump on. Um, you know, as we're all engaged in small group ministry and, uh, Steve, you know, agreed, uh, one thing I learned, uh, when I got into this small group thing early on, um, is cause my pastor had gone to a, a conference down in Atlanta with uh, Saddleback and I come back just, you know, 
ready to go. And uh, about a year after we started in New Jersey, where I worship, uh, I came to work here. And uh, my boss had been in touch with Steve and said, you know, uh, I think we should go out and take a look, you know, at what uh, the small group thing's all about. And Steve and his team there were uh, just wonderful. Uh, you know, we were just trying to find our way and uh, kind of building the ship as we went. And uh, they just took time to uh, sit and talk with us, uh, you know, different aspects of small group ministry, different uh, focus, you know, of uh, life stage or gender or, you know, what, how you, different ways you could group. Um, just found that to be really helpful uh, that they took the time to invest in us. And so when we were getting this together, I said to Steve, you know, hey, would you hop on with us for a little bit? And just kind of share, um, you know, even just one thing that, uh, you know, would be helpful in small group ministry uh, for each of us uh, today. So thanks, Steve, uh, for continuing to just invest in this way. Yeah, no problem. I, I think the number one thing is uh, that I would recommend to you, we'll go into others, but the number one thing is if, if you want to visit us during January or February, uh, that would be a wisdom on your side. That's what Chip did. So just go figure out. And if your pastor needs you to go to a conference, I'll make up one for you. So uh, I'll give you every reason to come. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, worth the airfare and the trip out there, uh, you know, and it's just, uh, there are people there who, who really, you know, the small group network, you know, you, when you, Sometimes, you know, when you've been burned maybe or different life experiences, you know, these guys, they do care. And uh, whether it's on this huddle or you're shooting an email or asking a question, you know, online to the small group network or going out to visit, you know, uh, Steve and the group out there, they really, uh, there's a passion and a heart um, that they have just to serve others. Uh, and it comes through just, uh, you know, not only from Steve, but from his team. Um, so, you know, definitely, Hey, if you can make it out there, take them up on it. Um, I'm sure at the end he'll do a plug for, uh, you know, some of the gatherings out there as well. Uh, so I'm not going to steal his thunder, but Steve, if there was something, you know, you were going to share with us, uh, you know, that might be a practical help as well. Uh, you know, in terms of small groups, uh, you know, what would you, I guess, kind of share with us in a few moments here? Well, I mean, I can, I'll, I'll give uh, one serious thing, although you're, you're more than welcome to always come out during January or February, uh, you know, but um, uh, definitely want to open up for questions too, because I don't want to assume that I, I know where you guys are at. And since we're on the call, if I can help in any way, I'd uh, be happy to do that. So if you have questions, we can stem from there. But I, I think the number one thing that when I talk with churches, um, and I talked to a fair amount of them and they always want to start small groups. And, and actually I, I usually turn the conversation away from small groups. Um, I mean, I totally believe in temple courts and house to house and, you know um, you know what Jesus wanted to do through the church when he gave us the church and the Holy spirit, when he left this planet. But the, um, the central thing that I find with senior leadership in the church and each one of you are, I'm sure, part of your senior leadership, is that most uh, churches don't have an end in mind. They have a cute slogan. Uh, they may have some words, but they don't have an articulate end in mind. So if you had your perfect disciple next to you, 
what would they ooze? What would they be? What would they, uh, what characteristics would they uh, give out? And I've been in too many circles with senior leadership and I pass a blank three by five card around and have them all write their uh, end in mind of what a perfect disciple uh, does. And you get a lot of similarities, but you also get a lot of differences and uh, the alignment just doesn't happen uh, in churches when you don't know that. I usually give the example of if you guys were all going to come to my house and I said, just come to Orange County, California, uh, that would get you within 3.1 million people of me. Uh, even if I said the city I lived in, that would be 40,000. The subdivision would be 273. And even the street would be 10. You could find me with the street, but you'd start to go door to door for 10 houses. And so um, in the same way, a lot of times uh, when we tell our, uh, our people or when we tell our small groups what success is, sometimes it's just uh, Orange County, California. I mean, you could drive a truck through it and everybody else could interpret what that is. So the more specific you can be, then you can build the tools off of it. You can build the training off of it. Uh, you can build the two guardrails that every small group ministry has to have uh, in order to get to your end in mind and the pathways and, and all those particular pieces. Um, but I would say uh, the question I'd ask, you, ask each one of you is, do you know your end in mind? Is it articulate? And uh, are you able to build from that? Because that way, everybody, all the leadership in the church can be uh, honed in and, and put around it. So uh, would love to get feedback from from that and see what you guys uh, what you guys think. I, I guess my question, Steve, this is Tom. Is uh, what would how would you articulate Saddleback's end in mind for for a discipleship program? Yeah, it would be to balance the Great Commission and the Great Commandment uh, in the heart of every person and every group. And so, from that, the fair question is: Okay, so how does that look? It's a cute phrase and a cute slogan. But then what we do is we build our training, uh, you know, on how do you get the great commission, great commandment, which we pull five biblical purposes from that, that every person in every group would need to have, which would be fellowship, discipleship, serving evangelism and worship. And then, uh, be able to say, okay, how does our training train people to do that? How does our curriculum pathway, help small groups develop that? How do the tools that we have, our health assessment, our group health assessment, produce that? Uh, how, do the, how does the infrastructure, and I've been in smaller churches too, and I was the infrastructure, uh, but how would I help uh, coach them to be able to get to that end in mind? And so um, what I find is most groups, groupings of people start off um, you know, very heavy in fellowship. They think they do discipleship because they're doing a curriculum. But when you really look at what Jesus was wanting us to do, uh, you know, it's summarized in the great commission and the great commandment. And so then you guys say, okay, if he left this planet and he gave us two things, uh, the Holy spirit in John 14 and the church in acts two, uh, then what are we supposed to do? And in the back half of acts two, uh, you, you kind of see what we're we're supposed to do. So, a little bit of a long answer, but um, but you know that would be saddlebacks. And I think I think I might have heard of those five purposes before. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, 
you're right. Rick is nailed. He has hit that nail for 36 years. But the spooky part is it's amazing how drift still happens. Uh, you know, we are always having to come back to that because of the, uh, it's because of human nature, uh, either in our staff or in, uh, our church populace as a whole. It just cracks me up. I'm just like going, really? I'm really, you've come here for five years and you, you thought something different. So, but yeah. And, and conversely, if if you keep looking for something new, you you're going to end up back at that same place. We did we did a, a, a sort of an end in mind. We we talk about living fully all the time around here, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's sort of our, our catchphrase, our, our vision phrase. And yeah. and uh, we sat down to define that, and we really came up with the five purposes that, yeah. that essentially, when we're called to live fully, we're 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 looking mm-hmm. at five purposes, and it, it works. Yeah. It's fun as as I've been doing. Um, Rick is uh, working on a, on a on a book to come out the close of uh, seventeen, and uh, as I've been working with churches, um, I've been able to give them uh, thirty six years of statistical analysis of Saddleback. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, we're not the largest church in America by any means, uh, but we've had slow and steady growth, and we've had plateaus too, which is you know. Uh, hopefully that would encourage every one of you because in ministry, you always have growth and then you have consolidation Mm. and in consolidation is what you find out a, what your church is made out of. Uh, but also in consolidation, a lot of times either God's pruning or God is preparing. And, uh, when you raise your, your kids, you always have these growth moments with your children. Uh, and sometimes there's a little bit of regression. And as a parent, you go, Oh really? You went to bed again or, Oh, oh, really? You decided to, to revert to a bad habit or something like that. Uh, but life is full of, you know, growth and consolidation. But anyways, it's fun to show because I'm meeting with a lot of different denominational uh, leaders. By the way, Chip Kelly, you're on my hit list for January. Um, but uh, but I work with a lot of de- uh, denominational leaders and being able to show them uh, that the OS, the system, uh, the Great Commission, the Great Commandment has produced a, a healthy church, but more importantly, I'm able to show them uh, how many people are in fellowship, how many people are working on discipleship, how many people are serving our church, how many people are actually going on missions overseas on their dime and their vacation, and how many people are con- continually sa- sacrificing time and treasures, uh, uh, especially when we talk about surrendering treasures, all of a sudden the denominational leaders perk up and go, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's kind of fun. It's been a, a slow system and it's not ours. It's totally just Jesus's. Sure. So you other guys, gals, guys is a very generic term, Debbie, sorry, but you can't talk back anyway. So you're, you're off of the thing. So you can talk all you want. Blah, 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 blah. We're not going to hear you. So you're talking about, uh, purposes of small group life and church in general. So how do you evaluate those or monitor those to make sure that the groups are doing those? Yeah. A great question because a lot of times uh, in a lot of our ministries uh, we, we come up with that stuff and there's no way to measure it. And uh, so predominantly what we use are uh, what's called a health assessment. Uh, which we would want people to not only assess themselves, but put a plan in action. But more importantly is a group plan. Uh, 
And um, so again, you've got to give people tools on how to do that. Um, so in both my books, um, we, I, I lay it out there. Um, by the way, you guys can also go up on um, um, smallgroups.net forward slash free uh, because it, it's free, F-R-E-E. And, uh, oh, check you out. The, you can go right there to the resources on the free downloads. Uh, you get right there to free. And then uh, I've got a bunch of ministry folders right there. And if you go to the planning one, ministry planners, uh, great job. You'll, uh, Steve, you'll see uh, all the different planners that, that we use. The predominant ones we use are the, the personal uh, plan and then the group plan. You can download those and adapt them and, and use them however you see fit. But the main thing is you got to have a paradigm. Uh, for your people. And um, just like in parenting, uh, which is also good for you to understand, is that the Bible is written on a family system. It's not written on a governmental system, although some churches, um, you know, design their church around the government, tend to be about as effective as the government, no matter what aisle you're on, side of the aisle. Um, It's not designed as a corporation, so it's not designed to be a business uh, it's not designed, and this gets me in a lot of trouble, but it's not even designed on a school system, although I know a lot of churches, you know, formulate stuff on semesters. Uh, but it's designed as a family system. That's why all the motifs in the New Testament are parent-child. They're never teacher-pupil. And also, when you look at the highest qualification for a pastor, it's can you run your family? It's not your your hmm. degrees. It's not your gathering ability. It's not your charismata or anything like that. And when you know that, you start to be able to realize so many things uh, are built on the on the family on the family system. And so when you're trying to um, you know kind of figure out where your church is going, it's very important that mom and dad are always on the same page. Um, because if mom's going in one direction, dad's going in another, you get a very, what we call dysfunctional family. And the same way when the church isn't aligned, when the church isn't a Mm -hmm. consistent voice, which anyone, any of you that have raised kids also know this, that kids need structure. And, um, and so you always want to be able to say, you want to build into consistency of where the church is headed. Um, and as long as it's biblical, it'll happen. But Steve, to go back on your thing is that you can measure a lot of things, but you want to measure to what you want as far as spiritual health is concerned. Uh, If you measure attendance, it won't get you health. But if you measure health, it'll have to get you attendance because you can't have one without the other. Good stuff. Anybody else? Something, a question? In general, or, you know, the other part I had on the agenda was just kind of what's, you know, a challenge for you in small group ministry uh, or a success, something you just want to share to encourage or something you're kind of wrestling with right now. Well, let me encourage them real quick to help them, you know, uh, when you're going through um, struggles, just know just about, and I've talked to, um, yeah, I don't know how many I've talked to, but but I, I could easily say thousands upon thousands. Uh don't know if it's tens of thousands or whatever. Uh, just about everything you're go- that's going on in your church is going on in our church. Uh, you may think it's just your church, but it's everybody's on the screen. Uh, we all go through the same thing because the other thing I found is that uh, humanity is consistent around the planet. 
and I don't care what part of the planet you, you put, put us on, humanity is the same. When, when we were made in God's image, there are some unique things that God hardwired uh, into us that are amazingly consistent. And uh, the feelings, the desires, the fallen nature, all those things, uh, we may look different and talk to different language, uh, may have different cultural circumstances around us, but uh, every church goes through good times and bad times, whether you want to admit it or not. And the, the same things that you struggle with, we struggle with. So just know uh, Misery Does Love Company, and we're, we are in good company. I, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, found, my, found my voice here. Um, we have started several years ago, we started a host your host, a host program. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit modified, a little bit different than Saddlebacks, but it's been wildly successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that we, that we started it. We are now um, trying to position our, our, as a church, we're trying to position ourselves for growth and have a new plan to bring more people into the church. And so we're going to reevaluate how we are doing the host program. Um, and because we're expecting, hopefully, we'll get um, a lot more people coming to our church. My question for you is, as you, um, as you started that host program, you, which is great, but you lose some control over the uh, people who are starting and Mm -hmm. how has that obviously gone somewhat well, but when you are, uh, how do you train those initial people that are, that want to start a group? Because I I know you start them with something at the beginning when you give them a DVD, Mm -hmm. you know, but then I know you all have a program over a period of a couple of years. If they want to keep going, Mm -hmm. do they, do they, keep going or do you find that people are faithful once they start that initial whatever you do at the beginning if you do something and then do they actually come back for the rest so again i would encourage you to think through a family system and again those of you that have had kids before you have some kids that make you look good and you have some kids that make you look bad and in the same way, uh, you're going to have the same thing with when you're trying to do leadership development. Uh, is every one of them compliant? Oh, by no means. Uh, but usually the ones that aren't compliant, they jump out of the game. So, but what is important is that when you, when you look at how you're doing the host strategy, and we've even adapted that a little bit more to being able to say, uh, we did a hard look at, you know, what's a leader? And what's the, the, the number one qualifier you have to have as a leader? And um, when we looked at that, it, it really is, and it's not, not rocket science, but it really is you have to have followers. And uh, if you don't have followers, it doesn't matter all the other attributes you have. Uh, even being a Christ follower, it doesn't matter because uh, if you don't have anybody following you, you're not really a leader. So what we have even done with the host strategy is even gone one step lower. If you didn't think that bar was low enough, we've managed to take it lower. Uh, but, but we've said, if you have two friends, you can lead a group. 
because what that does is it tells us who the leaders are because they have followers and the modern term for followers is friends. Now, the great thing that's helped us out with that is when people think they want to be the small group leader. And I know you guys have never dealt with this, but we have people that will go through every training, fill out every form, and then they'll say, Hey, give me, give me people for my group. And, um, and then they lose those people and it's just a vicious cycle. But now when they come up to the table uh, or they fill up a form, we'll say, hey, grab two friends and you can start a group and we'll give you the first curriculum. And um, and so what happens there is it's a really a, a, a fork in the road because if they have two friends, they can do it. If they don't, then we'll plug you into a group. So let me go back to your question on how do you guide them? The, the thing that I would just continue to have you guys think through is when you are doing leader development, understand it takes a village to raise a child. You guys know that adage. Uh, even as a parent, you know you want to help introduce your kids to the people that you want, the adults you want them to go to, not the yahoos they may pick and say, oh, I think I'll get some advice from them. Um, that's why in our small group, we always have them call it's never Mr. or Mrs. It's always aunt and uncle. So I'm uncle Steve to uh, every kid in my small group. And Lisa's auntie Lisa, uh, because we want, we want to build in saying, Hey, if not me go to one of the other people in our group, but Mm -hmm. there are multiple things that speak into how those leaders are developed. And again, when you're raising a kid, you understand that nothing replaces the personal one-on-one but there are other things that can help out. And so you want to look through your DVD curriculum. Are you providing helps for hosts that give them little bits of training? Are you embedding training into your video curriculum that your small group leaders are watching? Uh, So there's things like that you got to think through. There's also, uh, when you look at your training, kind of like we're doing a huddle that is virtual. Uh, we're all in different parts, but again, it's very easy for us. Uh, you don't know I'm barefoot, uh, you know, so I didn't have to put shoes on to come meet with you. Uh, Thank you for the, sharing. Yeah, I know. I thought you appreciate those. <laughs> little um, but you got to go, what are, what are different technologies that I can utilize to train my leaders? So like we moved from a centralized host training to a dec- uh, to a web-based uh, training. Again, if you go on my website, you can kind of see some of the modules there. If you go under video training under the resources, you can you can see you know how we we train hosts uh, first out. But the point is, you're right. You you've got to follow people along the journey. Some people are very compliant. They'll do the trainings. They'll go through it. They'll work their spiritual health assessment. They'll do a group planner. There are some people that are more artsy. And so they will tackle it maybe a little different way. And you want to say, okay, as long as you're getting to the end in mind, uh, and if you don't want to use our forms, I can live with that as long as you're doing it. Uh, but then there's some people that they stray and you need to bring them back on. That's why in, we have two guardrails that we set up to help with quality control. There's a head guardrail and there's certain things that we want to make sure are in that. One of them is the leader training. That's cognitively, how are we training our people? If they do, if they actually do get the training, what are we teaching them? There are tools in the, in the head guardrail, which are like the health assessment, the group health assessment, 
We have a resource called Don't Leave Alone. We have another resource called 250 Big Ideas. They, they give them ideas of how to work the Great Commission, the Great Commandment in their group. Uh, there's also a curriculum pathway. Uh, we don't want them just to go up on the internet. We want them to use curriculum that will build fellowship or discipleship or serving or evangelism or worship. It's always going to be around what we're trying to do. In the heart guardrail, there are two pr- predominant things. And this will kind of get to what you're talking about, Debbie. One of them is the personal people. Who are the people that are spending time with them to be able to, to so they trust them, so they can speak the truth of what they need to do? But the other piece is data. And by data, I don't mean the hard data of name, address, phone, email. What I'm talking about is the data that builds the relationship. Uh, businesses call this a, a, a CRM. Uh, a customer uh, relationship management database. And that's where you're tracking, you know, what's important to them in the year. When are their birth dates? When are their anniversaries? When are the important dates for every one of your leaders and family? Uh, we tell every one of our community leaders, if, if you don't know their spouse's name and birth date and anniversary, and if you don't know their kids' names, you're already behind the game. You've got to know who they are. And then being able to, when you're praying with them, keep track of what their prayer requests are uh, because, you know, data is, is, is king. Uh, I know Jesus is king, but a second king is data. And so uh, if ministry was easy, uh, everybody would do it. And so Debbie, your question is a great one. So you, my, a very long answer to this is you've always got to be tracking where they at or in their progress and help them do that. And in a family system, you do it with your children, whether you realize it or not. Uh, but you've got to, you know, kind of have all that checklist of things that you're trying to figure out and help them out. Um, a, a common one, anytime a new group starts, they get a call before their first meeting. They get a call after their first meeting to encourage them. And they get a call on the fourth week of their meeting. Uh, there's just hardwired things that you got to be able to do to can kind of help them on. Did I answer your question or did I kind of deviate? No, um, no, I, this was helpful. And what I heard, there was some video training and mm-hmm. then it seems like you connect them with someone to follow up with them to get that data. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. And I heard other things too, but that to, to answer the specific part. So that was great. And, We've just started something called a group connector, which would be someone to follow up with our new leaders. And mm-hmm. so uh, we just rolled that out this year, which was has been already very helpful. And um, that that yeah, that's just right in line with where we're going. So thank you. That was good. And you brought up a, a good point, and that is whenever it, let's face it, most I mean we work with all volunteers except for our pastoral team. They're they're paid, but. Uh, all of our infrastructure is volunteer based. And one of the things that you have to do for them is you have to make everything very systematized and very clear. So for us, it wasn't uh, one of my mistakes was I said, Hey, call your group leaders three times during their six weeks, first six weeks. And, you know, some of them would, would, would wait till, you know, week uh, five, six, and then afterwards, and by that time, the group is gone, if it's gone. And so you had to be very clear on your expectations because people do want to hit them. 
But we say, you know, we're very clear. Before the group meets, the first call happens. After the group meets, the second call happens. Week four, the group, the next call happens between week three and four. And so just make sure that you guys are very clear and providing the tools because don't just, you just, uh, again, in a family system, if you leave it up for interpretation, everyone's going to have a different interpretation guaranteed. So spell it out very black and white. That actually makes sense with what we just rolled out because I wasn't specific for that first six weeks because I thought every, I I asked them to contact them at least right after um, they led their first group. And then I thought they would be contacting them every couple of weeks for the first six weeks after that. And you know what? A lot of them didn't. So I'm now going to go back and rewrite the job description um, for our group connectors. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. See, you have to be very specific. I, I wish it wasn't so, but boy, you do. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? A question? A thought? Something uh, you're wrestling with? Yeah, I want to ask about. Um, so, at our church right now, we've got 35 groups. We just did a big relaunch in September, um, mm-hmm. and I'm the staff person who oversees it. Um, and currently that's it for leadership in our group's ministry. Um, but it's also rapidly growing. So I want to talk about leadership structures for group ministry. When is the right time to go to the next thing? What is the right, you know, format to develop leadership for the group's ministry? So, And by leadership, are you, Josh, are you talking about um, people to help you out or the training and, those types of things. Yeah. I think more, more along the lines of like infrastructure for the ministry itself. So that, you know, it's just too hard for me to lead 35 different group leaders and be there for all of them, be there for all their needs and stuff. So developing some kind of hierarchy or infrastructure within the ministry so that needs don't go unmet and people feel like they're, uh, they're, they're being served while they're serving. Yeah. In the uh, in the free zone, um, I have a whole folder on infrastructure that you may want to dabble into and take a peek at. Uh, but the bottom line is, people uh, there's there's three. Just looking at macro church, there are three common felt needs that bring people to the church. One is uh, relevant teaching in worship that brings them to temple courts. Um, um, you know, finding a relationship kind of helps them solidify themselves in house to house. Having a responsibility of something to do in the church kind of gets them into the game of, of coming back. How you uh, keep people in the long haul, and I'm getting around to your question, Josh, how you keep people in the long haul in temple courts is not just relevant teaching and worship, but having a vision that, uh, you know, helps them feel a part of something bigger than what they are. In small group ministry, the relationship won't keep them the long haul, but when you fill the void that they have spiritually, that will uh, really start to resonate with them, uh, or spiritual formation is a more popular term. That kind of gets them there. But the point I want to focus on is... um, Josh, when you when you're talking about people to help you out, there are people that are doing all kinds of responsibilities in your church, 
But the people that resonate toward temp, the, the house to house side, when you can help, you know, take them from doing whatever responsibility they're doing in your church to actually doing something that gives them value. So if I were in your shoes, I would be looking for who are the, the two, three, four people that, you know, live and breathe house to house. And how do I bring them alongside of me and saying, hey, how would you like to be a part of something new and different that would help take people and build them? And I don't know your paradigm, but for us, I would say, how would you like to help take every member in our church and and build them in fellowship where they have transparent relationship, where they feel more comfortable in discipleship, confessing temptation before confessing sin? How would you like to be a part of helping a shape each person that, that grows biblically in their knowledge? How would you like to mobilize every person in our church to find out their sweet spot in serving so that they could volunteer in the church? How would you like to you know, reach well beyond where our church is at, but maybe impact all of the state of Massachusetts? Or you're in Maine. You can impact Massachusetts later. Uh, but uh, in Maine. Uh, you know, and, and, and awaken a giant of spirituality that is waiting to happen there and help people surrender and sacrifice more. You want to find those people and you want to breathe into them and give them something big to go after with you in the small group ministry. But they're, they are like your the, the tip of your spear that are going to help challenge your church. So I would be looking and praying for those people. And if you've got them, I would invite them over to your house for dinner and say, hey, I want to embark on something big. Uh, this isn't for the faint at heart, but th- these are the people I want to go for. I'm going to need more of your 168 hours in a week. I don't know how you're going to find it, but I'm going to need some more. And I want to tackle and awaken a spiritual giant up here in our place. And so you want to get behind that. But then what you want to be able to do is help them understand, okay, what do I need to do? What, what am I, what am I going to be doing? Um, and Chip, if you remind me, um, uh, if I can, uh, it's so funny because I, I've got my, um, everything built up. Sorry. There you go. You're moving. I'm moving, but hang on. It's not an earthquake. It's just me not having a good, I felt, um, but I want to give you guys a handbook that we give. We just uh, came out with a version two. So hang on with me so I can see my screen. Chip, I'll flip it to you if you can flip it to everybody else. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, but with our community leaders, we give them three acrostics to build through. How do you help become a friend to them? How do you help lead them, become a leader? And then how do you coach them to take something different? Um, and you guys can rip it off and do whatever you want. Um, uh, but it'll give you a great starting point. Um, um, I wish I was fancy and could share my screen like chip does, but I, I don't, I suck. Um, let me see if I, okay. I got the right thing. All right, going back to normal. (laughs) All right, Chip, I'll be forwarding this to you. Perfect. Are 
are you still uh, working at Best Buy there? Yes. Okay, beautiful. So right. I thought you... And um, Chip will flip this to you. Actually, we just got it back from the... Uh, it hasn't even... It's just about ready to go to printer. So it's version two. We're really thrilled about it and giving them clarity. So Chip, there's nothing I've, I've attached to it, but let me know that you got that. Okay. As soon as it comes through, I will uh, throw it up here. Sorry. No problem. Well, it may not be simple to throw up. It's a quite a beastie document, but I think you guys will have fun with it, and I'll give you some great, you know, thoughts and places to go from there. Josh, that kind of help you out at all? Yeah, no, definitely. That was, that was very helpful. The other thing, uh, each one of you I'd recommend, you don't have to do what we do, but um, in my book, Small Groups with Purpose, uh, chapter 14, I talk about infrastructure. And um, we, we put our groups into three buckets, new, seasoned, veteran, and stubborn. And uh, you guys probably don't have any stubborn groups. You won't have to worry about that bucket. Uh, but it's going to be important that you have a, you have a, a toggle point when somebody flips from new to seasoned and from seasoned to veteran, stubborn people, it doesn't take you anything to figure that out. They just ignore you and you know, they're a pain in the butt, but, um, but like for us, you know, it's not just going through leader training one, it's actually filling out their own health assessment, which mm -hmm. is the tipping point for going from new to seasoned. Um, in all actuality, we would, we would love people to, um, be able to, and you can scroll down through that chip. You can kind of get to the, the lead, the leader and everything like that. But, um, uh, it, it, we would love the whole group to fill out the health assessment. And then when your group fills out a group plan, when they go through LT2, but then they're actually doing a group plan is when they go from season to a veteran group. So you just gotta, you gotta think through those things because not every group gets, gets equal attention. So uh, the groups that want to do stuff get more attention and the groups that don't want to, then they'll go there. If you want to, if you go right up to that friend one right there, Chip, because yeah. so everything's an acrostic at Saddleback. So these are for new. So Josh, this is what we'd say. Hey, we would want you to do these six things with all your groups before you even talk about training. Because um, if you if you've ever hopefully I won't offend any of you, um, but if you've ever been to anybody who does multi level marketing, uh, when uh, sometimes they'll invite you over to your house for dinner and you'll think oh wow they really like me and then a dessert they come bring out the catalog you go oh they just use me and a lot of times in the same thing um, you're like okay I'm 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 working with these people. And then I'm trying to get them to, I'm trying to schlep my stuff before I even show people I care about them. So, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. It's our winter cold season here in, in Southern California. All right. So I will forward this to all of you so you have it as well. Um, hey. I can look at it in more detail. So, 
if you guys want to use it at your church, go for it, but please don't throw it around on the internet. You know, that, that kind of stuff gets me in trouble. So Saddleback Resources gets all particular when I start giving electronic copies away of stuff for free. So Absolutely. They're so particular about that stuff. I just don't, you know, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> go figure, right? I know. They like to keep the place afloat. Keith, thanks for joining in. Uh, we saw you come in there. Uh, Keith's over in Rhode Island. Um, oh, hey, Keith. So, uh, the other folks are spread out between Massachusetts and Maine. Uh, so, yeah, welcome. Anybody else? Anything? Uh, questions? Thoughts? Throw things out there? If you guys aren't a part of the uh, uh, of the Facebook uh, group, uh, make sure you uh, become a part of that. There's a lot of robust conversation that's always happening on that thing. And then if you're not a part of uh, the network at smallgroupnetwork.com, um, there's a ton of free resources that we're always having out there. So, um, yeah, go right up there on that website. Um, if you sign up there, you'll kind of get to know all of the events we got going on. Uh, throughout the year, um, you know, just the blog, the podcast, all those things that are happening. So anyways. Yeah, no, the, the network's a good thing. And, uh, you know, even, uh, I mean, I sent out the initial blast about 20, 25 people, um, about 15 said today worked for them. Um, but as we all know, things come up, yep. um, but I think it's, uh, this is kind of really, uh, the first digital gathering like this across the Northeast. And we, uh, you know, would like to continue something like this and kind of have, you know, a purpose for it, uh, not only to connect you, but then even as, you know, uh, we connect with each other, you know, who are the people in your area, um, you know, that you might want to connect with, uh, there's a few other folks in Connecticut who have had some huddles and things like that. There used to be, um, you know, a stronger presence up in Massachusetts. I know about five, six years ago, um, you know, so we want to really just, uh, not just keep it to ourselves, uh, you know, but continue to find ways, uh, where we can connect, um, you know, not only this way, but, uh, you know, even if once a year there's, Hey, eight of us, you know, can commit a half a day and get together, share some food and talk through, um, you know, at a deeper level, uh, some of these things, uh, within small group ministry. Uh, so I don't know if any of that resonates with anyone. Uh, if you have any thoughts or, uh, things like that, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, let me know, uh, and sure. we can figure out ways to do that. Could uh, I, could I jump on that real quick? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've seen work time and time again at every church I've been at, uh, whenever you're willing to be a conduit and not a container, God somehow blesses your time. I don't know how that happens, but he does. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of like tithing. He always does more with your 90% than you can do with 100%. Or it's kind of like the Sabbath. He can do more with your six days that you give to him than seven days that you try to do use your thing. Uh, but whenever you're, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, not that container that just, you know, holds and gets and gets and gets. But when you give and you're a conduit, it, it is an amazing piece. So uh, even if, you know, two, three times a year, you gather people up in, you know, your state 
and just put, um, uh, you know, a, a pin on the map saying, hey, um, my, my area is represented. It's uh, something that good that, you know, could get by. And it really brings hope to people because um, I have, you know, there's a lot of people who just don't know who to call in their area. And how you do stuff in Maine is very different than how you do stuff in Massachusetts and how you do stuff in Rhode Island. And so I just encourage you guys, uh, Chip can talk to you about that offline, but if you can be willing to do that, it just says, Hey, you know, I'm putting a stake in the ground uh, and saying, you know, I'm here for people who need help and I'll try to gather, you know, at least two of my friends a couple times a year uh, just to, you know, discuss and pray about, you know, ministry. So think about it and pray about it. So. Absolutely. Well, and Steve, Steve mentioned the Facebook page and he's already uh, throwing us up there, uh, you know, on there as well. So you can Sorry, see uh, some of the group there, but it's a great place for discussion. Uh, I know folks, uh, they engage and share, uh, you know, uh, different, whether it's a certain resource, whether it's, Hey, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, how we launch new groups or, uh, you know, how we huddle leaders together. Uh, and it really just, uh, does become a good sounding board and, and a, another place, uh, you know, for resources, you know, you can see Josh Baker right there, um, you know, putting out uh, satellite campuses and questions of that. So, you know, Josh has taken advantage of it already. So yeah, loving uh, the response. I got a lot of good leads uh, in a very quick time. So it's a very helpful resource for sure. Yeah. I hope to see you down in Franklin, Tennessee. That'd be fun to have you there, Josh. It's a, it's a one day, but it's a little bit far for you. I get it. Okay. The bug is in the pastor's ear and he's, he's in favor of it. So I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Any other uh, thoughts, questions? going through anybody's mind that they would be upset they didn't ask before we uh, hop off here? No, just, just thanks to all of you for, uh, for putting this together. Chip, Steve, uh, very helpful. Very, uh, very good to connect. All right, guys. Second. Uh, thank you. You bet. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks everybody. Thank all right. Enjoy See the rest later. of your day. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Have Christmas. a great season. Okay, guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you you for your support.